I'm Randy Rohde, and I'm fascinated with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Plus, I love baseball. Every show, I sit down with a small business owner, and we discuss their running the bases of entrepreneurship. We throw the ball around on strategy, management, execution, and innovation. Plus, a little fun baseball talk. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say. Play ball. And it's a great day for a ball game. This is Randy Rohde. Got a question for you, folks. What do you call a British engineer who crosses the pond to find his way in the tech industry but realizes his fortune and entrepreneurial spirit really lie in the wild, wild west of the California real estate market? Well, we call that today's guest. When he's not investing in homes in Southern California, he might also be found at Local Blitz Marketing, a digital marketing company he co-founded in uh, 2009. Or you might find him out hiking with his wife and their furry children. <laughs> I probably, I didn't write this intro. Uh, we are pleased to welcome uh, to Running the Bases with Small Businesses podcast, Simon White. Simon, good to have you on the show. Hi there, Randy. Uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> now, I think a, you got it right there. <laughs> I, I'm assuming the uh, furry children are yeah, are not yeah. offspring, but more like pets of some sort. <laughs> yeah, we 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 adopt dogs. We, all our dogs are from the rescue. So yeah, we have uh, we've had a blind dog, a deaf dog in the past. We've got a dog at the moment that we're fostering that only has two legs. Oh my! She does exceptionally well. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's from Mexico. She got hit by a car. We think down there, and they actually amputated the back two legs, so she can get around really well on on two two front legs. No kidding. We have wheels for her. Yeah. But she can she can do really she can actually run faster on two legs than she can with her wheels because she just she's got really strong front legs. So, that yeah. is amazing! Wow. Uh, <laughs> I will tell a quick story around that. We had a neighbor who had a three-legged cat and was missing a rear leg. And that cat was the best, would come over and just pounce on groundhogs or ground squirrels or what are these things, critters, and she'd leave them out there. This cat was amazing. I was always amazed at it. But anyway, so let's jump in. I've got a fun story that, you know, my research team, I was telling you before we hit the record button here, that she is so great, finds all kinds of fun stuff. She dug up a fun story about how you met your wife. Wow. Okay. I was wondering if you would find that. That's buried in the internet. Most people don't know about it, but it's you found it. (laughs) So I'm wondering if you would care to to share with the audience a little bit, a little bit of a story of Simon White and your wife, Amanda. Yeah, I came came here in 97, I think it was. Anyway, whatever year it was, I, I went... You know, I was single for the first few months, but then um, me and my English friends, we were all from England. We all came over pretty much the same time. We went to a concert, Alanis Morissette. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> before the concert, I sat next to a few few girls, local girls, and we just got chatting and stuff, you know, nothing major. And then the, the, the she started, Alanis Morissette, the concert started and never really saw her again. And then a, a few days later, I got a phone call. <laughs> And it was a radio station 
Yeah. And uh, they introduced Amanda on the phone. Uh, me and Amanda over the phone, and she asked me out to go for a date on that <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. A couple of years later, we got married. No kidding. <laughs> and there is a big, long, elaborate version of that that my wife tells, but I just give you the <laughs> the short and quick version. But yeah, I met my wife at Alanis Morissette in at the Del Mar Fair. A couple of years later, we got married and we actually had the DJ from the radio station be our DJ at our wedding. <laughs> ah, that's nice. Yes. So yeah, I think your wife is the great romantic then must be. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that's very good. Well, congr- how long have you been married now? 24 years. Uh, no, 23 years. Yeah, 99. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just, just a few days ago, actually. Ah, very yeah, good. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. So growing up in England, you attended the University of Bradford, have your engineering degree here in the States, as you know. So we just passed May 1st, uh, which is the typical U.S. college commitment day, which is the crazy college acceptance. All of the applicants, they essentially commit to university and all of that stuff. Curious, what are some of the differences between college life in England versus here in the States. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, you know, in the college I went to was specific to the type of engineering I went to that I wanted to do, which was radio engineering. But I I don't, (laughs) we did a lot of drinking and the drinking (laughs) age in England is 18. Here it's 21. But I guess so it's legal to start drinking at 18 in England. Here it's 21. Back then, all my college was paid for. I didn't didn't really leave college with any big debts or anything. A few thousand pounds, top, you know. Nice. So, but now, I think it's changed. I think England is a lot more like the US now. Oh, you know, the 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 you have to um, tuition is a lot more expensive and stuff. It's such a long time ago that college now and college a few years ago when I was there. <laughs> It's a bit different. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The world is different as well uh, in so many different ways. So you got your engineering degree. You came here to the States. Did you come to the States directly to Southern California from England or did you go? uh, I worked worked in England at Nokia and Ericsson for a few years, about four or five years. And then I came for a vacation for three weeks had a big tour around California and Nevada, you know, San Francisco, came down the coast, LA, San Diego, Las Vegas, Yosemite, did a big loop. And then I said, oh, I really like San Diego. So I applied for a few jobs. And within a couple of weeks, I flew over here for an interview up in Orange County. And I had an interview for a company in San Diego, actually in London, Mm. got offered those two jobs and decided to come to San Diego. Nice. Yeah, And so six months after I'd been here for a three-week holiday, I was living here because <laughs> I had to wait for a visa and all the oh, rest Oh, sure, of it, sure. Cause... Yeah. Well, San Diego, you could have picked someplace a lot worse than San Diego. Yeah. I, well, you know, I did that the big loop. Beautiful. I think, yeah, I like San Diego the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you came over working as an engineer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, it... Well, for three weeks was a vacation, but then six yeah. months later, I came over as an electrical engineer. There was, okay. It was during uh, the big boom in mobile phones. Right. I designed mobile phones in England, and I came over to work for Hughes Network Systems. It was the okay. first company I worked for where we designed 
big, mo- big. I started out when mobile phones were the size of a brick. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, at some point then you got the entrepreneurial bug and you started pursuing California real estate, I think back in what? Oh, seven is what my notes say. Yeah. Is that yeah. Right? I, um, I bought, we flipped some homes in California, but I bought some homes out of state, which mm. I still have some of those. Mm. So we, we, we kind of got into buying and selling homes in San Diego and it was hot back in 2006, seven, eight, yeah. as it is now. And then I bought some rentals in a few different parts of the country in South Carolina and uh-huh. Mississippi and Phoenix and stuff. I sold some of those, but I've still got quite a few of them. You started in that industry when it was pretty hot. And yeah, then- I kind of started right at the top. Yeah. And it was like, but you know, I've, I've managed to keep hold of some of those. They, well, they actually good. still, yeah. Some well, of was- them I had to sell because it was, in the big downturn, things were got real nasty. So I just got rid of them. Well, that's but what I, I was wondering. Yeah. I was able to hold on to quite a few of them. So yeah, during the uh, the 08 through 010 or so. Yeah, that was difficult nasty. Time. Well, that's when we were doing short sales. Well, basically in San Diego, where you were buying houses in pre foreclosure and then selling them again quickly. And you're that able to make a couple of years. You can yeah. make money at that fairly well. Yeah. Our best one, we did 110,000 in a flip. So it was oh not too bad back then. God, no kidding. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So are you still active in? No, not so much in real estate. I've still got rentals. Right. And I do a little bit of work in real estate notes, which is I generate some leads and I broker them. Or I also have some notes. Notes are the you know, the, the debt, the mortgage, Okay. you can sell a house without a bank. If I, if I wanted to buy a house from you, Randy, and we didn't want to go to the bank, you could just uh, agree to carry the paper. So mm-hmm. if I bought, you had a hundred thousand dollar house to sell, I might give you $10,000 down and you would finance that 90,000 to me. Right. So, but then if later on you said, I want to sell that, that $90,000 note to someone else, right. an investor might come in there and buy it from you. He might discount it a little bit so he gets a better interest rate, sure. a better yield. But there's a whole industry around buying private notes like that. Okay. So I have some of those notes and I also do lead generation online to generate some of those types of leads to give to other people. I'd say broker them to or sell a leads to other people. Uh, I had no idea that that even was. Is yeah. that a, is that a that seems like such a small sliver? Is it? I, it is. I, it is a very small sliver. But the, but on that same ilk, you can do the same thing with people do it with structured settlements. Mm, you know, JD mm-hmm, Wentworth mm-hmm, is all over mm, the place. That's right. how it works. Lottery winnings right. can be can be created into notes like that. There's lots of things, uh, even royalty fees and all sorts of things can be created. A cash flow can be created from things like that. There's a whole sub-industry of financial instruments that most people have never heard of. Yeah. Curious, through your kind of investments and uh, purchases, made any any bad purchases in any of them? Oh, the, yeah. 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 <laughs> Real estate or otherwise? Uh, otherwise, I've, whatever. I've had yeah. some bad real estate deals for sure. But I loaned money that never got paid back. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah nice. I've learned, you learn a lot from that. You lost a good chunk of money in various bad deals, yes. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So your hundred and ten thousand flip, uh, you know, could evaporate. I've lost more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so you were kind of involved and heavy into that stuff, um, kind of before that house and garden TV craze, you know, where they're uh, flipping houses and yeah, were you doing yeah, stuff for? I think it kind of came out of the the big. 2010 11 did it start off i don't know there's always been something but now there's a lot of them yeah even ice is it vanilla ice and various people do flipping on tv and stuff yeah yeah there's a lot of them now yeah so would you do this uh the house flip and i think i'm more familiar with where you uh, go in you grab the house buy it and then renovate uh, i didn't completely do that no, got that's it a lot and of then, work. Yeah. all i did was i i bought the house and sold it onto someone else. So you were almost I. just a owner on paper quick. And then, well, yeah, that that's called wholesaling. When you buy a, a house or you get it under contract and you sell a contract right. to someone else who wants to renovate it and sell it. So I've done a little bit of that. And uh, the other thing was we did short sales. So we helped owners sell our house right. that were in good condition. So we kind of bought it on paper and then sold it immediately. It's, right. There's right. a special technique for doing it with, Double-ended close. Got it, got it. Crazy market today in the housing industry. What do you think about that? Would you? Yeah, I'm not an expert in it anymore because I don't follow it quite as much. But yeah, certainly uh, <laughs> San Diego has gone up like 22% in the last year. I think uh, I think, I think, think we're starting to see some cooling in many areas because the interest rates have gone up and, mm-hmm. and uh, our, our house has doubled in price in the last six or seven years, I think. Uh, it's it, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. So you, you came here as an electrical engineer. What was it that kind of tripped your interest and in, and uh, really got you into the real estate pursuit? How did you well, even- Well, I was just, you know, I was I worked in the corporate world for a, well, probably- total of 15 years, but I first got interested in real estate. When someone at one of the companies I was working with talked talk to me about rentals, real real estate rentals, and I kind of got interested and says, oh, that's kind of interesting. So that's how I got into it. I, so I went to a few seminars and stuff and started buying a few rentals. And it just kind of grew out of that. I started to do, you know, I started to think about how I can generate extra income from that. I thought I was going to do it with rentals. Right. But uh, rentals is not big enough an income for me to live off it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So, and then at some point, kind of brought you into the world that you do today. And this is the, I think, the venue that you and I, we belong to a couple of uh, different professional groups. And I don't know, I think we met online a couple of years ago or so. We've gone to a couple of different uh, conferences together. And uh, you are now co-leading i don't know what to call you i guess but you've got a co-founder uh, whatever yeah. yeah yeah you've got a digital agency uh there yeah. in san diego I, tell us a little bit yeah, about I that i kind of got into that because of the real estate thing because i was building my own websites you know mm, mm-hmm. i was just you know i built my first website out of html and and then i think i built a couple of wordpress sites to try and generate leads for my real estate business right and then i did a little bit of stuff for other people. Then I did a bit of marketing online for websites and stuff. And it just kind of grew out of that. You know, I kind of, I kind of like this more than the real estate. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's a little bit closer to what I was at college for, you know, computers right. and stuff like that, where real estate was, you have to talk to people and stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you still have to talk to people occasionally. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, my business partner does more of that. I just <laughs> talk to uh, I just talk to a computer and to people that talk the same language as me, like yourself. And other people. <laughs> yes. I do talk to some of our clients, but my business partner does. Probably he's more on the sales side. I'm a bit more on the marketing and technical side. All right. All right. Kind of works out well for us. Yeah. Well, you've been doing it for a while. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. I can't really pin down exactly when I started it because it kind of I transitioned into it from doing it for myself to a few other people. So it's right. like, it's a bit hazy to me. It was 2008, 2009, I think yeah. I started doing it for other clients. And then I was on my own for many years. And then, then in 2016, I found a business partner that I tried working with a few people. In the past, as a business partner, but it didn't work out two or three times. Just you got to find the right person to be a business partner with. And right. 2016, I found a guy that you know similar ideas to me, but he was good at one thing and I was better at another thing. So it really worked out. So we've been together now for six years, and finding a business partner was a big, big help for me as a business owner to to uh, to grow the business. Since then, we've grown quite a lot because. He had his strengths, I had my strengths, you know, and I wasn't right. particularly good at some of the things he he was good at more. He was better at, he'd actually been in sales, so he was better at that anyway. Yeah. Is he uh, as interested, I'll, I'll say, in the yeah, technical he likes, side? He, yeah, as... he likes, he he was doing social media and reputation management. Okay. So he, he had that side of it, but he was, and I was doing more of the SEO and PPC, you know, search engine optimization right, and that right. type of stuff. So it was a good marriage of the two. So that's pretty interesting. So I'm going to ask you here now, we're, we're going to move into what we like to call the seventh inning stretch, Simon. I know baseball is not widely popular, we'll say, in England, but do you yeah. like baseball? You got the I've, Padres I've down there. I've been to a few there. games in San Diego. I've been to the Padres a couple of times. Yeah, it's it's fun, you know. Yeah, there we <laughs> Ish. go. It's not too bad. It's not my thing, but you know, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, we are. And it's time for the seventh inning stretch. It is time for the seventh inning stretch. So I know that baseball is not uh, horribly popular there in England, but it does have some history. Yeah, really? In in England. Yeah, you're like, really? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and actually it goes, there's some, I'm not going to go into the deep, deep history, but uh, back in the, uh, about 120 years ago, it started with a gentleman, uh, Sir Francis Lay, uh, started a team there in around 18. 1890, something like that. And then we'll kind of move forward into that. But probably Britain's greatest moment in baseball was back in 1938 when the U.S. had a national baseball team. They were preparing for the 1940 Olympics and England had an all-star team. And so they played the America's all-star team. And actually, England won that series four games to one. So, which is what is that the last game they ever won? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, pretty, pretty exciting. It seemed to be that maybe British baseball was heading in the right direction. And then World War II breaks out, and the popularity of the sport never returned uh, to England. It's just uh, obviously now it's just not that popular. 
But here's your question coming and being from England. Do you have any idea how many major league baseball players were born in England? <laughs> I have zero idea. I'll take a complete guess. Seven. No idea whatsoever. <laughs> uh, well, well I'll, you're close at, at, uh, in a certain, certain regard. 32 in total. Okay that were okay. born in England, okay. but only six of them have played since world war two. So oh, really? Wow. Yes. So, <laughs> so your seven was close kind of post world war two. So not too bad. I think there's probably more NFL players from England. Cause uh, I think rugby people can sometimes transition into NFL. Yeah. Well, that could be. Yeah, no, I don't know. Those guys playing cricket, you know, they swing cricket, a stick. Yeah, but cricket, yeah, they swing the back differently. It's not yes. sort of up here. It's yeah. from the floor. It, yeah, it's a it's down. Shape and... Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> well, not too bad, Simon. You did all right. <laughs> my, my knowledge of, of baseball is practically zero. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get back into it. Play ball. All right. So I, I find it interesting uh, it, with you is that you do have this entrepreneurial spirit where instead of this highly technical, where I would think that you're an electrical engineer and I, you know, at first glance, you would think you might not be like, Hey, I want to take a risk. I want to go, you know, make some investments, go pursue, start my own business kind of thing. But you really kind of moved in that direction. Is there Anything was your family? Did you have? Oh well, my my brother and father had a have a um, a small business. They have a car garage in England. Mm. Yeah, and I actually, when I was younger, I actually did dabble in in um, entrepreneurship. When I was sixteen, I wrote a computer program that I sold. <laughs> oh wow! Look at you. So I was involved in computers in the early days. I write, you know, it was on a cassette tape, and yeah. I sold it through a magazine, and <laughs> so that was one of the things I did. And I think where that, I was probably 15, 16 when I did that. Then when I was 17, one summer, we started a car wash business that we drove around and washed people's cars. So <laughs> I dabbled with it before I was in electrical engineering, being a sort of small, small business. Yeah, owner. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's so funny. The, the mobile car wash or car detailing is what you call yeah, it here. Yeah. I, I that's still, that. people still make very still good do business yeah. doing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. You were on the cutting edge probably back then. So now at some point you came to the States, you're doing the electrical engineering, you were doing real estate investment, and then you're like, you're not satisfied. You're still doing some business pursuits. You opened a hair salon franchise. Oh yeah, yeah, that was because I wanted to get out uh, out of engineering. Just because you know I liked engineering, but I was in it for long enough that I wanted to do something different, be my own boss. You know, uh, so we we went to a business broker. We went to a franchise broker, and they you know they do an interview with you and they figure out what what you interested in and your goals and stuff. And they came up with a few different things. One of them was a hair salon, great clips. Another one was a mobile pet grooming. It was Aussie pet mobile. Okay. And they're the two we kind of looked at pretty closely. I'm not sure why we chose great clips in the end, but that's the one we chose because we believed it could be scalable. Uh -huh. And, you know, the, the successful franchisees had like five or 10 salons. 
so we chose that one. So, yeah, I, we did that for about three years. I, I I kind of figured out pretty quick that I didn't really like that business. You know, I was dealing with, we had 14 employees, most of them females. So for the first year or so, I was at the salon every day. And then I realized I can't handle this. So I just said, um, my <laughs> wife can, can handle it now. I'm, I'm going home and staying home. <laughs> Then I went back into the high tech space for for a few years because her salon was not me. <laughs> what I saw this in the notes. Now, you know, uh, for what I know of you and hanging out with you, that would have been probably the last thing that I would have ever have coupled with you as like a hair salon. Oh, uh, it was it was fun for a while, and then it became painful. Yeah, <laughs> listening to. 18, 19, 20-year-olds with all their problems. We came up, come across every thing you can think of, you know, problems, drug addiction, unfortunately, uh, and pregnancies, yeah. and uh. just a lot of young female problems, you know. Uh, I, yeah, I, think I just I, can't. I'm out yeah. of this. I don't think I'm the right person for this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, and, uh, you know, and the hair is, for me, is just, you know, just something I can't yeah, relate you with it anymore. It doesn't cost you too much, does it? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> So that is uh, crazy. So at at some point you said, okay, this isn't for me. How did you go about kind of undoing that? So so it was a franchise. So there was a support. There was like 20 different salons in San Diego County. And okay. I knew all the other franchise owners. So I approached one or two of them to see if they wanted to buy it. So I sold it for pennies on the dollar. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. So the numbers work out is I put about 300K into it and sold it for 30K. That was oh. it. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. You needed to start flipping some houses or something yeah, in yeah. order to, to come back from that one. It is interesting, though, and I'm sure that you're sitting back now. I mean, the, the, I'm sure that was years ago. But looking back at it now, what's a, maybe a life lesson that you probably have picked up out of that? Well, franchises are good because they do have a, an established system and that's what we wanted. You know, they have, you do it this way and this way and this way, right. you know, everything is set out. You buy your, these, you know, you buy your equipment from here, you buy your, your supplies here. Here's the ATM system, you know, and there's a training system. Everything was set up for you. You're paying it. You, so you pay a fee for that. So everything's set up. You just, right should be just plug and play. And for a lot of people it is, but for us, it just didn't work out. We just weren't the right people for that type of business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's gotta be, uh, there are lots of people. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a bad business. It's just, um, you know, some people have done really well from it. Some people have 10, 20, 30 salons, and then wow. you're making pretty decent money from each one. Sure. Sure. Well, I would think it is an industry that probably will just continue to go on regardless of... I think so, yeah, because I don't think robots are going to replace hairdressers anytime soon. I, I doubt know, it. And, and, and hair seems to grow, Yeah. except during the pandemic when everyone had YouTube haircuts and stuff for a while. <laughs> <laughs> or just let but, it grow. And, you know, yeah. I, 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 I tried that run and it didn't really yeah. change anything for me, but, uh, yeah. So in thinking, you know, over the course of the years that you've been in business and had different business pursuits and, and experiences, when you came across 
something maybe like uh, the hair salon or maybe in one of your real estate ventures, when you came across or were faced with obstacles, um, some challenges, what was your approach to overcome that? Challenges? Sometimes, you know, being an engineer, I try and solve it myself first sometimes. Mm. (laughs) Sometimes that isn't the best approach. So certainly in some of my current, in the past, maybe I just try and solve it myself and just muddle through. That's generally not the best approach. What I do now is I have a problem. I'll, I I have a lot of, you know, I'm in the digital marketing space. If I have a problem, I know lots of people. I know lots of people that are, have more experience in certain things than me. So I will seek out someone that can help me with a specific problem. Mm. So having a big network of people that, understand the same industry as you is very useful when you're a business owner. And I think I'm in a networking group and a lot of people, you know, I have industries totally unrelated to mine. And so now there's a CPA and things like that. The networking group is good for me because I can go to people within that group and ask them specific questions that are totally outside the scope of my work. Right, right. That actually is some great advice. I have been uh, active in in a number of different networking groups. I've met some great people. Um, w- uh, there's a great group uh, organization called BNI. I don't know. If yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was in that for, I was in BNI for five years. That's yeah, very good. When yeah. you, certainly when you're getting started. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of now I'm in, it's called the executives association of San Diego. It's slightly bigger businesses. Mm, and, mm-hmm. uh, it, that's been very good for my business actually. Cause I got quite a few clients from there as well. Oh, so good, good, it's good. a good way to grow your business, no matter what type of business you're yeah. in. So there's roofing guys in, you know, networking well, group, there's window guys, all yeah. sorts of different industries. Well, I think it's a great approach. And I, I was going to say, and now I'm heavily involved in our um, local chamber of commerce and yeah. I think it's good as a business owner, as we both are now, to engage outside and as what you mentioned, to engage with owners um, outside of your specific niche, because, you know, as you rattled off, whether it's CPAs or lawyers or roofers or whatever that business is, or those businesses are that are part of that group, you really can learn still from anybody in any business because they may not have your very specific niche specific challenge that you're trying to figure out, but they're business owners. They're still trying to figure out how do we get new customers? How do we, how do we get more efficient in delivering our services? How do we scale? How do we save money in operations? And so kind of having that network and sounding boards and as you're exploring topics like that uh, amongst a group of people, you get a completely I different it's, perspective. It's very useful for any business owner to, to be in a group like that. Yeah. Because some of our members have been in business 50 years Yeah, <laughs> and some of them are multi-generational. Some of them have been in the company, in the organization for over 70 years, the grandfather, the father and the father. So they have lots of business experience. They, you know, uh, so you can go to them with questions or they can even connect you with people that they know, you know, mm. they, they, if they don't know someone, they know someone who does know someone. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, it's very powerful. I think for a small business, so Simon, what's around the corner? What's the next big step or big uh, pursuit? 
Well, I'm just continuing to grow. We don't grow up agency fast. Where everyone wants to grow, scale, 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 scale. We're more of a grow slowly and high retention is our model for our current clients. Mm. And also, we're trying to do things slightly outside of client work. You know, building our own websites and stuff to generate income and stuff. So, I'm just slowly doing that, and I'll probably buy another couple of real estate houses and stuff and just you know just i i don't have these big dreams of being a hundred million dollar company anymore it's just i just want a comfortable easy life where <laughs> i can do what i do wherever i want to do it so you know because i'm a I, digital i most of my stuff is digital i can do my job anywhere in the world yeah and that's you know december we took off well we went somewhere up you know we went up the coast of california and i ran my business from a Airbnb for a month. So, oh, nice. Do you have yeah. any of those uh, fancy thoughts of I don't know? Um, at some point in your life, just going off uh, to some other country. I, there's a lot of guys that do what we do. They go off to I could, yeah, the Philippines the problem, you know, or or maybe Taiwan maybe it's or more difficult because we have animals. So oh, yeah. you know, it's difficult because we like to have dogs around. So. That makes it a bit more tra- challenging. I might be able to do it for a couple of weeks, but I couldn't do it for six months or a year like some people do, like being a digital nomad. Yeah. I'll probably not do that, but, you know, I might do it for a few weeks, Yeah, maybe yeah. a month, but not any longer than that. Yeah. Maybe in the future, maybe in 10 years in the future, I might change my mind. Maybe at a point when you don't, when you don't have a, a, a furry animal that you're Yeah, unfortunately, o- they overseeing. do come and go. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, I keep replacing them, so... <laughs> All right. So Simon, here we are. We're at the bottom of the ninth. And this is where we typically ask our guests, what advice do you have for rookies in the game? So those folks starting out in business or maybe who already have a business and they're looking for some guidance uh, from an old sage uh, veterans like you been around on the bus for a while. Well, I think we just, we, we, we talked about it just a minute ago. I think if you're starting out, it, it'd be good to get into some sort of BNI, Le Tip, or some other organization where other small businesses gather because one, they can help you with, you know, often there'll be a CPA and a lawyer and all, all those types of people, professional services that you need for your business. But also the, the goal of those types of organizations is to refer business to you. So, you know, if you refer business to them, they, the idea is that they refer business to you. So that's actually one way you can really build your business quickly. And I know quite a few one-man bands have turned into bigger companies by just going to the right type of networking group, BNI, Latip, Chamber of Commerce, whatever it is. There's, 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 there's a lot. In San Diego, there's lots of them. Right. Um, so I think that would be very beneficial starting out. Right. Also read lots of Amazon books, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, I tell my kids this all the time. I think, hey, you can go on YouTube and learn about anything in thirty yeah. minutes and be proficient at least. So yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like, don't ask me. Go ask YouTube. You can find it there. Yeah, you can get the you can get the theory and some of the ideas from there. But sure. go into these networking groups. You get to interact with real businesses yeah. and how does it really work? You know, yeah. what did you do and stuff. So I yeah. think. That's if you're really just starting out, that's probably one of the top things to do is go and join something like that. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. Well, listen, Simon, thanks for hanging out with us a bit here today. We can get in touch with you at localblitz.com. Is that right? 
Correct. Yeah. Localblitz.com. I'll have that link uh, and other social networks and things. If people could reach out to you via uh, the internet, Um, we'll have those in our show notes. And uh, I appreciate you hanging out with us on a a beautiful uh, Friday, hopefully in San Diego. It's gorgeous there. It's gorgeous here and in Cleveland today. So. Great. Thanks for having me, Randy. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. And that's the ball game, folks. Thanks for joining us today. And if you like our show, please tell your friends, subscribe and review, and we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the Bases with Small Businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.